You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. A man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. So in closing, personal evaluation, where are you? I pray there are many of us that we're heeding godly counsel and we're avoiding a reckless path. Maybe we were on a reckless path. Maybe we ended up in the storm, but because we've repented and now God's brought us to a place of safety. Thank God for that. That's what he wants to do. Pastor Ty is working through the story of a ship caught in the winds of a fierce and powerful storm. Sometimes life can feel like that. We can make one wrong choice and then another. And then suddenly we're caught in the heart of a storm with no hope in sight. No matter how far you've gone down a reckless path, you can repent and turn to God for aid and he'll save you. He'll lead you out of the storm and to the safety of dry ground. So if you're caught in the storm today and you're sinking, cry out to God. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts, chapter 27, with today's edition of The Living Word. Why are they still trying to lighten the ship more? Because a ship like this, large ship, the draft would have been deep. If you don't know what I mean by draft, every boat ship has a certain draft, and they will tell you, it's, uh, my boat is like three feet. That means when I get in four feet of water and I got the motor down, all right, I'm probably going to hit bottom, or at three feet. If four feet, I'm okay, but three feet... Probably the motor's going to hit. I get shallower than that, the bottom's going to hit, and I'm going to run aground. And they're concerned now because they know they're going to run aground. So they lighten the ship to, to help it get closer to the land before the bottom of the ship runs aground. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Sandy beach, much better than rocky beach. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea. And at the same time, untied the ropes that held the rudders. Remember, they took the rudders up, they dropped the four anchors. Now they cut the four anchors and they dropped the rudders to aim toward the sandy beach. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar, ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. Here you have this large ship, 276 people on board. It's a large ship. And once it runs aground, this hurricane, and and I hope us in Florida can appreciate hurricane force winds. Now that the thing is stuck and the waves and the wind are pounding the stern, it begins to explode. The soldiers plan to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life, and he kept them from carrying out their plan. 
He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. And I want you to miss the last line of the story. In this way, everyone reached land safely. And you have to take that statement in the context of the whole story, including the cutting away of the lifeboat, which would have been trying to get out of the situation, but it's out of the will of God. I don't know any other text I've ever taught as a pastor that's easier to get the clear message out of than this text. It's just clear. It's unmistakable. The whole shipwreck, the damage, the loss could have been prevented if they'd have just listened to godly counsel. If they'd have just listened. Here's what it is, counsel. It's advice, guidance, direction, and sometimes very specifically warning. In this case, Paul warned them. If you go, if you, if you go, if we continue this direction, I can tell you, damage, loss, and danger for our own lives as well. Oxford Dictionary, one of the definitions for shipwreck. Very interesting. You know what it is? The destruction of hopes, dreams, etc. What you were hoping for it hadn't turned out like you expected. What you were dreaming of. Shipwreck. First Timothy, Paul writes, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck in regard to the faith. It very simply means they're not following the Lord. They're out of the will of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to a man named Balaam. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, anytime you see the angel of the Lord, that's Christ before becoming the man, Jesus. Christ. Christ appears. And here's what he said to Balaam. I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. It was a gracious thing for the angel of the Lord, Christ in the Old Testament, appear to Balaam to try to steer him off his reckless path. You could, you could very easily say, you're headed towards shipwreck. And I've come to try to save you, deter you. It is the Christmas season. I couldn't help but going to this verse. Uh, we know it, I think, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called, first, first thing, he'll be called wonderful counselor. I love Psalm 32, especially this verse. The Lord says, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my loving eye on you. God wants the best for us. He's not trying to trick us. He's not the deceiver. Satan's the deceiver and we deceive ourselves. He wants the best for us. He said, this is the way to go. This is the way you need to go. I'll guide you, I'll teach you. Psalm 73, this is, this is a good verse. You'll guide me with your counsel, then you'll take me into glory. You know, sometimes God says things, and when you read it, you go, really, God really said that? Proverbs 1 is like that. I mean, you read it, and you go, really, this is God? This is God talking like this? Say, what do you mean? Well, let me read you a little section. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Out of the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. 
How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I'll pour out my thoughts to you. I'll make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand. Since you disregard all my advice, do not accept my rebuke. I, in turn, will laugh when disaster strikes you. You say, that's God? I'll mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but I will not, now they will not find me. Since they hated knowledge, didn't choose to hear the fear of the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they'll eat the fruit of their ways. Be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But I love that it doesn't end on a negative note. Listen to what the final verse says. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease. That's peace without fear of harm. Let me give it to you as best as I can in summary form. Heeding godly counsel will save you from unnecessary rough waters, from storms, and from potential shipwreck in life. But as Jim so well put it, you have to do it. Following the majority is usually the wrong direction and the wrong decision. If you're going with the crowd, you're probably going the wrong direction. I strongly felt in my spirit that this is a prophetic word for some. A prophetic word. No amount of human effort can solve the problems brought about by ignoring godly counsel. I put in my notes, if we could fix the problems created by ignoring godly counsel, we would have no need of God. But like in the story of Acts chapter 27, God brought them to a place where their only hope was to trust him and to submit by faith. I'll tell you this one too. Listening to godly counsel after making poor decisions does not usually mean that you'll get immediate calm and peace. Now I want to give you what, in my opinion, my opinion, and the first one, the first one is, is hands down. I call it uh, some biggie counsel topics. These are biggies. These Because there's so many things we could talk about. So much counsel in this Bible right here. There's a lot of good counsel here. Numero uno, hands down, is salvation. And if you've ignored, ignored God's counsel on this one, you're going to spend an eternity regretting it. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. You won't be able to come back. There's, there is no such thing as purgatory. It's a lie. From places like the Catholic Church, it's a lie. It's not true. There is no such thing as purgatory. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And then the judgment is based on the decisions you made in this life, not after this life. What good it'll be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What is it you want in life? What if you get everything you want right now in life, but it's out of the will of God? Live it up, enjoy it, party. But it's going to end. It's not going to last forever. And then you lose your soul. It's not worth it. A little piddly time in this, on this planet, and then you're going to spend eternity for that? Really? What a foolish, what a foolish thing to do. Here's what God says. Come on. 
Come on, let's settle the matter. Let's settle it. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. The sword is a representation of judgment. I love this verse. Paul says, we implore you, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You ignore this counsel, utter foolishness to spend an eternity damned and doomed. There's a second biggie. That's the biggie. There's a second one. And it's clear in the scriptures, submission to authority. Peter writes, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. God especially addresses younger people here. He says, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another for God opposes the proud. That's the one who's not submitted. Going their own way, doing their own thing. And God's against them. But he shows favor, grace to the humble. Children, hello children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you'll live a long life. That's serious stuff there. Not only live, but enjoy a long life. You know what insubmission to authority is, don't you? It's one word, rebellion. That's what it is, rebellion. You know what God thinks about rebellion? You might be surprised what God thinks about rebellion. Here's what he thinks about it. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. That's what God thinks. I have scars on my body, especially two, one in my right hand and one in my left hand that remind me of my years of rebellion. Going my own way, doing my own thing, not listening to my parents. This one came about early on, almost lost my right thumb because my mother said when I was five, six years old, there's a junkyard right near us and I was so attracted to that junkyard, I wanted to go and play in the junkyard. My mother said, because she knew it was dangerous, I could get hurt. She said, Danny, don't go play in that junkyard. What's the first thing I did, first chance I got? I went and played in the junkyard. Very, very first time I played in that junkyard, I fell, I cut my, my thumb so bad, I almost lost my thumb. Big scar right here, I see it every day. Teenager, hanging out with the wrong people. Eventually, as my, my mother kept telling me, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd, I finally said, Mom, I am the wrong crowd. <laughs> Tell your kids, don't hang around with me. <laughs> we're out at Lake Robinson, we're partying, I'm, you know, we're drugging and drinking, and I'm pretty much wasted. We go skinny dipping. I'm trying to show off a little bit, and I go to run down the, down the dock, and I tripped and fell, and I caught this thumb on a nail on the side of the dock. 
And now I got a scar right here on this thumb. So every day of my life, every day of my life, I look down and I see a scar here and a scar here. And it just hits me right now. It hit me any other message, any other message till right now. Jim, this is a new one because I know you've been in other services. You know what? It reminds me of my rebellion, but from here on, it'll not only remind me of my rebellion, it'll remind me of the scars on Jesus' right and left hand that paid the price for my rebellion. Thank God I finally repented. Well, let me give you another biggie before we put the landing gear down. Biggie, 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 biggie. Woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes with this stipulation. He must belong to the Lord. And that's a principle throughout the scriptures. God would never have anyone say, I do, and tie the knot with someone who doesn't know the same God and serve the same God. And, and it's not just somebody that says, I believe the Bible, I believe God, I'll go to church with you. No. Do you know they know the Lord? Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Verse goes on to say, what, what, is, what fellowship does Christ have with Belial? Light with darkness. Listen. You tie the knot with somebody and you are really saved and you really know the Lord and they don't know the Lord, you are headed for trouble. Don't do it. You say, I love them. I understand that. Say goodbye. Get over it. Get over it. You're headed for trouble, man. I didn't say it. God said it. And then one last one. Of all the things we could talk about, biggie. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three, it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. That in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. That's talking to the church. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. Did you hear that? That's the Lord saying that. The Lord will punish all who commit such sins. As we told you and warned you before. In other words, we warned you. We gave you counsel. We gave you advice. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. You're, you're rejecting God. The very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. That's God saying that. I'm not a preacher saying that. That's God saying that. The first several Proverbs are in the context of sexual sin. They say things like the lips of an adulterous woman drip like honey and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she's bitter as gall. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Proverbs 7, many of the victims she's brought down are slain or a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Proverbs 9, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little did they know that the dead are there and her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Proverbs chapter 5 or chapter 6 kind of lays it right out there for us guys especially. Here's what it says. He, a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. So in closing, personal evaluation, where are you? I pray there are many of us that we've 
We're heeding godly counsel and we're avoiding a reckless path. Maybe we were on a reckless path. Maybe we ended up in the storm, but because we've repented and now God's brought us to a place of safety. Thank God for that. That's what he wants to do. I know, I know of some situations in our fellowship. I know of some, and you're headed for shipwreck. And God's trying to save you. But if you're going to be stubborn and you're going to continue to rebel, you will end up where you do not want to be. And God's trying to spare you. Some have ignored the godly counsel. They're headed for trouble. Some have gone down the road far enough. But it's okay right now. You say, ah, it's a bunch of junk. Everything's fine. You're deceived. Some, you're in the storm. And you're not only in the storm, it's getting worse. Some are in the storm, doing everything to survive, but nothing is working. Why? Because you haven't submitted to the Lord. And no amount of human effort will solve your issues until you submit to the Lord. He's the only one that can solve the issues. He's the only one. Some are at a point, all you want to do is abandon ship. I was told a story between services. I won't tell you the story, but it's a, one parent, and I, and I was trying to look for illustrations on uh, where the soldiers cut the lifeboat away. Well, I got one story from a fellow, uh, family member and parent, and they're basically throwing a lifeline out to their child, but it's out of the will of God. And what that parent needs to do is cut the lifeline. Cut the lifeline, because it's a lifeline out of the will of God. By the way, if you abandon ship, you will take others down with you. Some are at a point, and, and you, what you need is you need food to encourage you. I got it right here. This is it right here. And you need it daily. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You make the right decision, even though you've made poor decisions and you're now in the situation you're in, you need to understand that you make the right decision today, that doesn't mean that there's going to be immediate calm. Tough times still may be ahead. But if you hang on by faith and continue in the new direction, by faith, God will lead you to a place of safety. And there's one last one. I didn't think of it right away, but it's right in the text. I don't know why I didn't think of it. And the Lord kind of popped the light on near the end of my study. And it's this. You're in a storm, but it's a result of somebody else's poor decisions, not your own. Paul, Luke, Aristarchus, you know, you're still at home and you're still with mom and dad and you're under their authority and dad's a bonehead and he makes some stupid decisions and the storms in your family's life is a result of his decisions. And maybe it's your mom, maybe it's both of them, maybe they're both boneheads, two married boneheads, you know, and, and you're suffering for it and you're in the storm. Or maybe it's the marriage. And you can't control the decision your spouse makes and it causes storms and trouble for you and your life and your family. Nothing you can do about that. But here's what God may be saying to somebody who's in a situation and it's not your fault, it's the result of somebody else making foolish decisions. Maybe God's saying to you what he said to Paul. God has graciously given you the lives of those who sail with you. And maybe by your prayer and your encouragement and your example, maybe God will use your life to lead them to a place of safety. I read you the last line of Proverbs 1, 
one last time. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. That's where I want to be. We're so glad that you joined us for today's edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience as we study the book of Acts. If you'd like to hear today's message again or more from Pastor Danny, visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the resources tab on our website for more information. As you make your way through the Bible, you might be surprised how something hits your heart exactly where you're at. God's Word has a way of doing that, and it's unmistakably God's way of speaking to you. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God over the radio, even if they weren't intending to. Pray that listeners would be open to hearing the gospel message. Pray also that we would continue to seek God's will for this program in teaching the Word and reaching the world. One additional thing that we'd ask you to pray about is if God would be leading you to support the Living Word financially. If so, you can find a way to do that through our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on the Give tab. We're so grateful for your support. Thanks for praying, giving, and listening here on The Living Word.